Hello, Careers Explained listeners. I'm your new host, Jesse Doyle, and I'm so excited for the interview we have lined up for you this week. Today, we'll be talking with Andrew Edelman, who's currently Head of Strategic and Platform Partnerships at Zapier. Welcome, Andrew, and thank you for being with us here today. Hey, Jesse. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing well, doing well. If you wanted to just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and of course, being a Davidson alum, your education sure. at Davidson. Yeah, yeah, happy to. Thanks for having me, Jesse. So I'm Andrew Edelman. I was class of 2007 at Davidson, um, where I was a swimmer uh, and an econ major with a math minor. And my wife, Jenna, was also a Davidson grad, class of 07, where she played volleyball. I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I went to Davidson. And so it was a really great experience to just get a very diverse set of experiences and classes. Um, I quickly kind of zeroed in on economics as a major and got an opportunity to intern at Bank of America during one of my summers and decided to kind of just like go for it after school ended. And so I started my career in investment banking uh, right in 07 when the financial crisis hit the US. And so like everything in banking flipped upside down. And it was a very interesting time to be there. Um, did my two years as an analyst and then left to go join a different part of Bank of America where we were investing in private equity funds and hedge funds. And then after a year of that, we actually spun out of the company and started our own company um, that was called Quorum Capital that was based here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I did that for another two years and realized a couple of things. One, that the company that we started, we didn't really know what we were doing. We didn't know how to like start a company and run a company because we had all worked at much bigger banks previously. And then I realized that I just didn't like financial services. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't innovative. Um, it was just not for me. And so I decided at that time to go to business school. And so went to the University of Chicago and moved my family from North Carolina to Chicago. Very cold place to live for two years, but also a really great city and had a really great experience um, going back to business school, getting my MBA and completely changing what I did in my career. So I moved from doing banking as kind of more of a financial analyst type person uh, to working in tech um, in business development, which is what I do now. And so I interned while I was in business school at Google. And it's exactly what it sounds like at Google is big, is flashy. They have all kinds of cool things and perks and benefits. And I knew instantly that I wanted to be in tech because what was being worked on and the types of people that it attracts were A, much more diverse, um, and very, very, very smart. People are really, really intelligent working on these hard problems. But I thought that Google was a little bit too big for me. Um, it was like a 70,000 person company at the time. Now I think it's probably closer to 200,000. And it seemed like everyone was kind of working on similar problems and it felt like you might get lost in the mix. Um, and so I opted after business school to join a company called Box, um, which does content file storage. And I worked there for five years in a variety of different roles as part of a rotational program. And I found my groove. Like, I love working in that company. The people I worked with were incredible. They're still great friends. And the culture of the company, importantly, was something that I really, really liked. Um, but after five years, kind of was looking for something new. Uh, and then about three years ago, I joined a company called Zapier, where I work now, which was a company that has always been fully remote. So I got a head start on everyone. Um, but we have 750 people in 35 different states and 40 different countries. And I lead our partnerships team here at Zapier. So that's kind of the, the quick two-minute story on, on my career. Right. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Cool. Do you want to talk maybe a little bit about that decision to 
I guess, transition going to business school? Yeah. So I think coming out of Davidson, there were a lot of classmates that were going into grad school. Um, and I remember a lot going into law school, going to med school. Um, and business school is one of those things where they prefer you to get a couple years of experience. So you have a bit more direction coming out of it, knowing what you like, what you don't like. And so I was a bit on the further end of that. I had done five years of work before going to business school. Uh, and I think in hindsight, I probably could have gone with just four years, but really it was a way to effectuate change. Um, and so I think for people going to business school, there are a number of different reasons to go. For me, it was about getting out of one industry and trying to break into another industry and learning new skills along the way. For other people, it's very much kind of requirement. So if you're in management consulting, for example, and you want to get on like the partner track, you have to have an MBA and they'll actually pay often for you to go to business school, which is a great gig because I paid uh, myself. But it was, again, a good way to meet new people, build a new network, um, and then break into a new industry, having the support of you know, professors and entire career services org that once you're out there on your own and you're not at a place like Davidson, you don't have access to anymore. Um, and so again, grad school is a great way to rebuild those skills. Um, and for me in particular, business school kind of gave me the, the skills I needed that were missing. Um, and the school I went to, Chicago Booth, is known typically for things like finance uh, and like kind of hardcore quantitative things. But I had that skill set um, having come out of banking. And so most of the classes I took were around entrepreneurship. They were around things like um, managerial decision-making and organizational behavior uh, and like the soft skills of what it's like working in a business, leading a team and trying to build that team um, and lead them to success. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's really great. How would you say that that combined with your Davidson education, your undergrad to really create the kind of, I guess, career path you took and who you are today? Yeah, no, I, I think about that often because I, I don't find myself ever at work today, like looking back to like an, an economics course I took, for example, and be like, oh, how would I apply supply and demand from microeconomics here? Uh -huh. uh, but similarly, I never look back to any particular classes I took in business school. Where I'm like, oh, I, I learned this thing in a case study. I'm going to apply it here. And so I think it, in some ways, it complemented Davidson really well to go to um, Chicago Booth into business school because both schools were structured in a way where you could create your own path, right? You could choose the courses you took. And sure, there were a little bit requirements that you had to take a certain type of classes, but you really could design your experience um, and I think tailor it to your interests and tailor it to your strengths. Um, and I think both schools also apply that principle of liberal arts thinking. Uh, University of Chicago, which is the school where Chicago Booth is based, another liberal arts school um, that also emphasizes on like the whole person and not just thinking about, you know, what do they learn in the classroom, but what are they contributing back to society out of the classroom? So there are a lot of groups and organizations that we were part of. And being in a city like Chicago, there were tons of opportunities to get involved. And so, again, I think those two things were looked at through different lenses. Again, Davidson's more um, the introductory skills and the introductory classes to prepare yourself for your initial stage of your career. And I thought of Booth as kind of like finishing school, like getting to that next stage and developing those skills that you may not have developed yet. Um, so that prepares you for the rest of your career. Right. Cool. Thanks so much. Well, if you don't mind, can we transition a little bit into the stage you're in right now? So your current position, sure. do you want to talk a little bit about what your day-to-day -day looks like? Yeah, definitely. So there are a lot of meetings. Um, we have a very meeting-heavy culture at Zapier, despite the fact that we're fully remote. Uh, so I spent a lot of time on Zoom, a lot of time in Slack, uh, a lot of time in email. And so the team that I lead is called the partnerships team here at Zapier. 
Uh, and Zapier is a software tool. So we're a technology company and we help primarily small businesses connect the other tools that they use to one another. So a small business that might use something like Salesforce or HubSpot wants to have data moved from that app into another app like Google Sheets or Gmail, um, but they may not have a developer, they may not have someone who's um, code literate. And so we have what's called a no code platform that lets anyone who doesn't know how to code to actually create code uh, and write things that can do things as a machine and automate processes that normally take people a lot of time to do manually. So my team in particular, we work with the 5,000 partners that we integrate with. Uh, so we spend a lot of time recruiting new partners, uh, getting existing partners to make their apps better or actually embed Zapier into their product. Uh, so there's a lot of time spent internally doing what I would describe as like uh, cross-functional work. So we're trying to get our marketing counterparts to make sure that they include partners in a campaign. We're working with our legal team to make sure that any agreements we sign uh, are kind of agreements that we can agree to. We work with our finance team to predict how much revenue our programs might generate. And we spend probably most of our time with our product and engineering team actually developing the tools and technologies that we use internally and that our partners also use. And so one of the things that I really love about my job and about being in partnerships is how cross-functional it is. We get to work with pretty much every different team within Zapier. And then we're working with 5,000 external partners on any given day. Um, and so it's very diverse and very different. Um, and I lead a team today of 10 people. Um, and yeah, we get a lot of cool stuff done and spend a lot of time, again, online together. And every nine months or so, we get together in person as a company at a retreat. And we had one back in May in San Diego, and then we're getting together in Austin early next year. Wow, that's super exciting. It's, I wouldn't say so unique anymore that you are fully remote, but I find it really interesting that you guys were leading the pack there is what it seemed like. Has anything really changed or morphed between that with the increase in everyone being remote? Yeah, it's a really good question. So you're right that we were kind of ahead of the pack. So Zapier's about a 10-year-old company and they've been fully remote from day one. And really the story is the, the three founders met in school, going to, I think, Missouri, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and they decided to start this company and they moved to the Bay Area, but they realized all their friends that were engineers that they wanted to hire were based back in the Midwest. So they hired people back in Ohio and Missouri, in Chicago, and started this remote culture. Uh, and it kind of just kept growing and growing. And we've been thought of as kind of one of the pioneers in the space. And so I think it's been helpful from a recruiting standpoint when COVID hit to be thought of as a company that actually knows how to do remote work. Because every company was forced to go remote, but not everyone was fully committed to it. Um, and the many companies didn't actually do it well. Um, they still tried to introduce you know, more in-person type things when you need to be more asynchronous, for example. So I think a few things that changed as a result is there certainly is more competition now to hire candidates. Um, right. As I mentioned earlier, we have candidates in 40 different countries, but we're not the only company that can now hire people you know, in places like Finland or Trinidad and Tobago or Egypt. Um, there are other remote companies based in the U.S. or Canada that are hiring aggressively. Um, I think the other thing that is unique about Zapier is the values that we have as a company, um, I think, are really stem from the fact that we remote first and therefore feel a little bit more authentic. So every tech company loves to have a page on their recruiting page about how they have these values, um, about like working hard and having fun and kind of generic things like that, very right, much platitudes. Right. But Zapier's, I think, are very authentic because when the company started, there was no like water cooler. There was no congregating place. And so those values, I think, really grounded the company in how they wanted to operate because it was all done through video and through chat. 
Um, and so some of our value is like defaulting to transparency. That's necessary when being remote because you can't overhear something, you know, in the lunchroom. You can't bump into someone in the hallway and, and learn about something. Like it has to be out in the open. And so we spend a lot of time as a company writing what we're doing and sharing updates every week so that anyone in the company can kind of see what's going on in that team or what's going on with that person because there's not that kind of serendipitous uh, connections that happen in a physical office. And then we have other you know, values like um, don't be the robot, build the robot, uh, which really speaks to our product, which is we should be automating as many things as we can and getting rid of processes that are really slow or really manual um, because again, we don't have the benefit of all being together and just working through those, we have to build processes that scale early and often. Um, otherwise, we may never notice that a process is broken or is working really poorly. Wow, that is super interesting. I am super excited to see how the way that you had to shape those unique values actually is going to, in turn, be a pioneer for these other organizations that are now going through that shift you already started as. That is super yeah. cool. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about with your organization, your culture, your role? Yeah, I mean, I guess the the one other thing that I would share is across Zapier, which again is a tech company, we hire more than just engineers. And I think very often when talking to students, there is a perception that tech companies only look for and want to hire engineers. People have done computer science. Right. But I think the reality is when you look at an organization like Zapier, we have 750 people they really can be bucketed into three different teams. We have a team that we call Build, which is product managers, designers, and engineers. And they do exactly what that org sounds. They build the product. So they figure out what do users want? How should it look? How should it function? And actually code that product and deliver it to our users, which is obviously kind of the core essence of a tech company. But we have another org that I sit in, which is called the go-to-market org or GTM org. And that's an equally important part of the business because you may have built a really great product, but unless you can get someone to buy it um, and unless you can get the right people to buy it, it doesn't really matter if you built something amazing because it has to be worth something to someone. And so our team includes sales, marketing, customer support, customer success, and partnerships. Um, and collectively, we're responsible for generating revenue for the business and ensuring the really cool products that are build organized building get out to our partners, get out to our customers, and actually get used. And then the other org that we have doesn't have a formal name, but I always like to think of it as kind of like the, um, the operations team. It includes our people operations team, includes our HR team, includes finance and legal. And they're really the ones kind of behind the scenes, making sure that everything operates. Um, we have to hire people. We hire probably 300 people this year if we hit our hiring targets. And that takes a village of people out there sourcing new candidates, interviewing candidates, making sure they have the right benefits and the right salaries when they join. Um, and then we have to have, make sure that we have a team tracking things like how much revenue are we making? How much money are we spending? Um, so that back office team does a ton of work behind the scenes, just to make sure that everything's operating day to day. Um, and what's really cool is that every one of those teams is constantly hiring and constantly growing and needs people with very different talents because an engineer who may know how to code something in Python has a very different skill set than someone who would come in as a people operations manager um, and actually help with internal decisions and candidate offers and things like that. So um, that's something I always like to remind people is companies like Zapier, which I think are a good example of kind of a mid-stage startup, are very diverse in terms of the people that they bring on and the talents and the functions that they support. Right, right. Would you mind talking a little bit about how you prefer or like better the startup realm versus like when yeah. you work at Google? Definitely. Yeah, great question. So 
Google, as I mentioned earlier, was a really big company when I interned there. Uh, and it was very apparent to me very quickly that as an individual contributor, the scope you were given, like how much responsibility you had was pretty narrow because they had 70,000 people all working on related problems. And so as an individual, you were given one little teeny part of that problem. But what's cool about Google is it's a massive company with a massive product that makes a massive amount of money. And so the scale in which you're operating was really, really large. And so even though you own something really small, by making it just that much better, 1% better, you could generate a really massive outcome, potentially millions, if not billions of dollars or millions of users that would see like the change in the color of the button that you made. Um, conversely, I also interned at a company during business school that was like a 40 person startup in Chicago, very, very small. And they had the exact opposite problems. Um, every individual there was being given a massive amount of scope because they needed everyone to do everything because they never had enough people. They always had fires to put out and you might be in marketing, but you might be asked to do something in sales or you might be in product. You might be asked to do something in design because it was very much always an all hands on deck type environment. But conversely, the scale in which you're operating was much, much smaller because you may not even have customers yet. The product may only have a few users. You may not have found what's called product market fit. And so it's a kind of different set of problems. So when I was looking for a role coming out of business school, I knew I didn't want to go somewhere massive like Google because, again, I kind of felt like I would get lost uh, in the noise and the opportunity to like learn and have a tangible impact may not be as great. But I was also a little bit hesitant to go too small and to a startup that was like just starting because nothing was figured out yet. And I very much needed to learn in an environment where there was some structure, but not too much. And so I opted for a company called Box, which at the time when I joined was about 1,200 people. Uh, they had just gone public. And by the time I left five years later, they about doubled in size, both in terms of revenue and in terms of company size employees. Wow. Um, and that started to feel a little bit big because as a public company, we had rules, we had reporting, uh, we had all sorts of different things that had to be done in a certain way that lost some of like the freedom uh, and spark that a startup can bring. And so when I joined Zapier, there were only 350 of us. Uh, and again, in just two years or two and a half years now, we've more than doubled in size. And I've really enjoyed this journey because a lot of stuff is kind of getting figured out as we go. And so we always describe it as like building an airplane while you're flying it. Um, it's dangerous, it's hard, it's challenging, but it's also really exciting. Uh, and right. a really fun journey to go on with a bunch of great people. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you so much. I think that's something really important that I feel like college students really need to hear because there is such a diversity in spaces that you can really look towards Definitely. in the business realm. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, as a Davidson alum, do you have anything you wish you had known while you were applying for jobs and really just beginning your job search or even internship search? Yeah, I mean, I now that I live back in Davidson, one of the things I wish I knew about was the Hurt Hub. Uh, to have that resource right. <laughs> adjacent to campus and available to students is so great. Um, because again, back when I was here uh, graduating in 2007, there wasn't as much infrastructure around things like the tech scene, uh, computer science and technology in general. And seeing the Hurt Hub get started, seeing the computer science major be offered, uh, I think speaks to what we're seeing in the economy more broadly. And just the innovation is where there's a lot of interest and enthusiasm from students to go. And so I think going into those interviews, the one thing I wish I had known as a student, again, is this idea that you don't have to have all the answers. Um, you don't necessarily need to have experienced exactly what you might be applying to. You need to show that interest uh, and that passion. 
And it may not be that you have the exact internship that they're looking for or took the exact class that they're looking for. But if you have a pattern of behavior that shows an interest and enthusiasm, you know, participating in like the innovation challenge that Hurt Hub does or shadowing someone in the community that has a startup based out of the Hurt Hub, it would give an interviewer this signal that you take something really seriously, you have that interest. And ultimately that interest may be the thing that carries you over into the next interview or gets you the job offer. Awesome, that's really great advice or great insight. Um, do you have anything else, I guess, for Davidson students interested in a job exactly like yours in the tech realm and in the organization development kind of scene? Yeah, I mean, the big thing that I would say is start networking. Mm -hmm. There are more and more Davidson alums than ever working in tech. Um, and there's a bunch that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, and again, with the Hurt Hub right, of, right here on campus, the ability to go meet with people in roles that you might have interest in is more readily available than ever. Um, and so don't hesitate to reach out to alumni. Don't hesitate to leverage the Hurt Hub to get access to startups. And then start asking questions when you get those opportunities to shadow someone or just have an informational interview with them. And understand, just like in this interview, what does their day look like? What did their journey look like? And I think what's fascinating is you'll find that no journey looks the same. No one who's in a function like mine or a role like mine or even works at Zapier had the same journey there. Everyone's path will look very different, will look very unique. Um, and I think that's part of the beauty of it is that there's no single path to getting into product at a company like Zapier, getting into partnerships at a company like Zapier, really it's up to you. And by spending time with alumni or spending time with people working in roles that you might be curious about or interested in, it'll help you start to narrow down what it is you might be interested in doing in your career. And again, it won't give you all the answers right at the onset, but it will at least give you some insights into, hey, I'm really interested in this engineer and how they spend their time and that they get really a lot of heads down time and to work solo. Or you might discover that, oh, they, they never collaborate with people. I need to be around people all day. Mm -hmm. uh, and I met with someone from recruiting. They're on the phone constantly with candidates uh, and really just start to get a point of view on what things you might want to try. But ultimately, careers are very long. Um, and it was uh, the person who ran the people team at Google, his name was Laszlo Bach, that shared this feedback with us when I was there as an intern, which is think of your career very much like your four years in college. Your freshman year of college, you don't really know what you're doing yet. You're just discovering things. You're trying to find yourself. And your first decade of your career can be very much the same. And so he described that as going very broad and having kind of a horizontal stroke, trying different things, <clears throat> working in different functions, trying different industries, and experiencing as much as you possibly can in that first decade of your career, very much in their first year of your, um, your college education. But then the next three years are where you go deep and you start to determine kind of what your major is or what your interests are. Uh, and similarly, in your career, you start to go deep on a particular function or you develop a specialty in a specific industry. Uh, and that shape that gets created is very much what he called as a T-shaped manager because your initial foundation is very broad, which for me was things like banking. It was working at a startup uh, investment firm. It was going to business school. It was interning at Google, then working at Box. And during that first 10 years of my career, I discovered I really like working in tech. I really like doing partnerships work. And so I'm basically dedicating you know, the next 10, 20 years of my career, which has started here at Zapier, at going deep down that path and really becoming an expert um, at that type of work and developing domain expertise. And so that T-shaped manager, I think is something to think about. Um, but for anyone listening or graduating soon, 
it's tons of time that you have. And so again, take that first 10 years to try different things, experiment, meander a bit, uh, go back to grad school if it's in, in the cards and don't be like my job coming out of Davidson day one is gonna be the job I'm gonna do for 40 years. It can happen, but I think in today's uh, kind of society, it's very uncommon. Uh, I think back in the day when our parents were working, they may have worked one, two, three jobs in their career. But these days people might work one, two, three jobs in one, two or three years. Uh, it's very common to switch jobs, switch roles. Uh, and it's important to do that so you find something that fits your values, fits your interests, and your lifestyle. That is super helpful. Thank you so much for that advice and insight. Well, again, I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on and just sharing a little bit about yourself and your experience. I know it'll be helpful for a lot of students that'll be tuning into this podcast.